You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. In the book of Hebrews is where I want to start. It's one of the places we've been taking our, our text often. Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. And uh, I wonder if I could get some folks to volunteer to look up some Bible verses for me. Uh, any volunteers? I just need, you know, two, three, four, five. Just all right. Uh, Nelly, will you look up Mark seven thirteen? Ralph, Luke five one. Nelly, Mark seven thirteen. Luke, I mean <laughs> Ralph, Luke five one. Did I see another hand on this side? Danny, uh, Acts four thirty one. See another side. Uh, Nicole, Acts twelve four. And uh, you know what, I think we'll call that good. I got about a dozen others, or half a dozen others we could look up, but uh, just for the sake of time, I want to start by reading Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, where the Bible says, For the Word of God, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, the Word of God. God's, perhaps God's favorite name for the Bible. We call the Bible usually the Bible. It's probably one of our favorite names for the Bible. But one of God's favorite words for the Bible or, or phrases for the Bible is to call the Bible the Word of God. And, um, and so that's why I had these look up just a few of these verses. So we'll start with Nellie. Mark seven thirteen. Amen. Boy, I could preach that verse today. Making the word of God run effect through your traditions. Uh, but I won't. Amen. I'll... Uh, I'll ride the Abbey horse a different day. Maybe. Maybe I'll get to it today. Ralph, uh, Luke 5 1. Amen. The, word, the people press to hear the word of God. Now, Acts 4 31. Amen. Then Acts twelve twenty four. I think that's the last one we I, I dealt out there. Amen. The word of God grew and multiplied. Nicole had the easiest one. Um, but there's several other verses. And uh, whether these words were spoken by the apostles or by the Lord Jesus Christ, or whether they were spoken by the Old Testament prophets and recorded on parchment or scroll, over and over again, God calls these inspired utterances the Word of God. The Word of God. Now that, that really means something, doesn't it? The Word of God. Uh, if the Bible is the Word of God, which indeed it is, uh, that means that we ought to behave a certain way, I believe, toward the Word of God. There's a certain attitude we should have toward the Word of God. And uh, the, the, the more liberal a person becomes in their, three, in their theology, the less likely uh, a person is to, be, to call the Bible the Word of God. 
but the Bible is the Word of God. And if it's not the Word of God, what in the world are we doing? I mean, uh, what are we doing? Because, you know, the, the whole idea is, and we, we, we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night, but it's worth mentioning again, and I do plan on uh, teaching a little bit, teaching on this, because what we're, over the last two, this past Wednesday and this coming Wednesday, we're talking about the warnings, and, and the Bible warns, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Um, Paul said there in Colossians chapter 1, warning every man warning every man what warning of what warning of the deception of satan especially there we we've talked about worldviews uh you know this year at the church and there's these worldviews uh very few of us struggle with the worldviews i think it's important that we understand worldviews so that we can especially communicate it to our children and grandchildren but uh but this plays into it because it comes into the theological world. If you're, if you're a person that uh, uh, you know, loves the Word of God, you love listening to preaching, you love reading books, books about theology or books about God, you, lo- you love listening to music that's glorifying God, what you need to understand is that not everything and not everybody that's opening up a Bible and preaching it is a man of God preaching and believing that what they're preaching is the Word of God. So Basically, what we talked about Wednesday a little bit was the whole idea of modernism. Now, modernism uh, is the kind of kind of the opposite. Fundamentalism, if you will, kind of was uh, it wasn't born to fight modernism because fundamentalism just simply means that you believe the Bible is the word of God, and sometimes it's, there's other things that's been tacked onto that that's made it uh, seem like a nasty word to people. But in the true sense, modernism was just the idea, and it was just about a 250-year period that it, where, where it really saw its heyday, that was basically, it's still around, that denies that there is any divine truth, divide, d- denies that the Bible is the Word of God, and so you had a lot of theologians, especially coming out of Germany, uh, that were denying that the Bible was the Word of God at all, that it's just not inspired, it's not real, the miracles weren't real, creation's not real, none of these things are real. Uh, so that was modernism, and then uh, for most of our lives, there's been a thing called postmodernism, and postmodernism is still extremely um, influential, and it's very influential in theological and ministerial circles, if you want to say that, and it's just basically the idea that they don't deny that we have the Word of God. They say that perhaps we have the Word of God, but they just say the Word of God isn't very clear, and what they do is they bring in that same idea that that our young people are fighting today about like your truth and my truth and you know, uh, what's true to you may not be true to me. Uh, have, you, have you ever noticed how much that actually does come within the Christian world? Uh, I've known people, and I don't, now listen, I'm talking about, I know people who I believe with all my heart know Christ as their Savior. They're saved. Uh, and, I, and, and if you were to ask them, they would say, I believe the Bible's the Word of God. But then sometimes when, in their practice and in our communication, we'll turn around and say, well, I understand the Bible says that to you, but that's not what the Bible's saying to me. Now, I understand that this morning I could get up and preach a message and it could, you know, impact your heart in a different way. The same message may lead someone that's not saved to come to Christ to where maybe it just encourages someone else in their walk for Christ today. That, that's different. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about it, the Bible in interpretation and in what it teaches that although there are some things that we can debate about and, you know, uh, I think about, uh, 
you know, the one that just came right to my mind, for instance, was uh, where the Bible says how the sons of God in the book of Genesis, you ever, you're familiar with that? The Bible says the sons of God came among the daughters of men. And then the next verse says there's giants in the land. And there's people that believe that, that uh, the fallen angels came and, uh, you know, uh, had a relationship with human women and that created giants and so forth. Uh, and then there's other people that believe the right way, which is that the sons of God is just simply referring to the, the, the people of God come among those people that did not believe God and just there happen to be giants in the land as well. That's just added in there. I say that's the right way because that's actually a debatable thing. That, something like that, there are certain things that understand we can debate on, uh, but by and large, we, we, we don't debate on whether, whether or not Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Postmodernists, uh, what I'm talking about today, are people that, debate, that actually try to debate, is Jesus really the only way? And there's... No, no, now, okay, the, we, the people teaching that I don't believe are, but I'm just saying that it's... It, I, I'm not too concerned about anybody in here necessarily getting caught up in asking that question, but... I'm just saying that a lot of the postmodern thought, it starts with, yea, hath God said. You know, as I've repeated over and over again, yea, hath God said, which is the, the thing that Satan did in the Garden of Eden, questioning the Word of God. Now, we should question the Word of God as in, what does that word mean? I want to know it better. Studying it, digging. We need to question in that sense, but not questioning as in, you know what? I don't like that. I think I'm going to go a different way. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very good point. But there's there's evangelical teachers today, and I was talking to Ron about this on Wednesday. I struggle with this a little bit because uh, I want to uh, call these guys out, but then sometimes I get nervous about calling them out because I worry about advertising for them. Does that make sense? Uh, should I call them out, though, among y'all and the people watching? Okay, so, so one guy's name, and I may have mentioned already, but his name is uh, Rob Bell. And uh, if you were to just maybe go look him up and start watching him, you might think, wow, this is exciting, this is good, I mean... Uh, a bunch of, a, a huge church, you know, preaching Christ, singing Christian music, and I could put a lot of things in quotes here, uh, but it looks all exciting. But when you start realizing that he's, that he actually teaches and preaches universalism, which universalism, I'm not going to go into all this because that's going to be repeated on Wednesday, uh, some of it, but, you know, universalism, anybody know what universalism is? It's basically, universalism basically is the idea that everybody's going to heaven regardless of if they know Christ or not. Now, what's wrong with that belief? Yeah, well, okay, I, I heard several things that were all right. You know, I heard somebody say it's not true, it's not what the Bible says. I like what Ron said, you, you're calling Jesus a liar. I like that one, because that's what you're doing uh, in, in teaching something like that. Now, the reason they teach it is because, wow, that kind of stinks, don't it? That's kind of an offensive message. Uh, and so they changed the message, which goes to pragmatism, which we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. I don't intend to talk about that so much today. But universalism, he teaches universalism. He teaches even, he actually, he, he'll actually teach that people may indeed die without Christ and go to hell. But God will give them another chance after death to basically, because God's trying to get, going to try to get everybody out of hell. So everybody's going to have another chance to get saved after that. It's just ridiculous things. Uh, and not to mention the fact, this is the interesting thing. I'll tie this more in on Wednesday. But the interesting thing is, uh, if you remember the, 
the, the cult and the false teachers that were trying to influence the Colossian church that were actually teaching Colossians on Wednesday, uh, that they, they had a real spiritism side, a side that's tying into the, the spirit world. And we're not talking about the Holy Spirit world. We're talking about the fallen angel spirit world. Folks, the, the one thing about a lot of this emerging church stuff is they tie into all these things as well. Con- contemplative prayer. And, uh, and now listen, I, I believe in breathing, okay? But they teach, but, but they start tying into the spiritual, the, 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 the spirit, the new age side of even uh, these powerful breathing things and breathing in power, breathing out. And you say, dude, are you really fussing about breathing right now? Uh, if you're familiar at all with the new age movement, you wouldn't be thinking that was weird, okay? And you know that's a thing. But I'm just trying to say they tie spiritism is, how, how do they do that? Because what they basically believe, coming back to the Word of God, is they believe that perhaps we have the Word of God, but the Word of God isn't clear. Therefore, we, it's left up to each individual to basically decide what the Word of God says and what it don't. It's interesting, uh, in this day and age, one of the things about postmodernism is these movements... Uh, they really conform, and really they, they don't only really conform to the culture, they sanctify the culture, which is to say that... Now, what does the Bible say? Let me just ask you this. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? It's, it, I mean, the Bible speaks about homosexuality in no uncertain terms. It speaks very clearly on homosexuality. It preaches uh, very clearly on other sexual sins. Uh, adultery, fornication, uh, you name it. It's very, very clear on these things. But these folks don't believe it's very clear. They believe that, you know, it's, it's up to interpretation and maybe when it was translated, blah, blah, blah. They just, they don't believe in the preservation, the inspiration and preservation of the Word of God. And so all these things, they take things that are just as clear as the nose on your face. Now, we, we do know, I'll just say, I don't think I have to say too much about this, but we do have folks that are newer to the church here. Uh, I ha- I'll just give you a quick example as far as, well, where does this church stand on homosexuality? Well, we stand on homosexuality the same place we stand on everything else. And that's wherever the Bible stands. Okay? Just to make that clear. But I had a fellow in town here send me a message. It's been a, some time ago. And uh, he was thinking about leaving uh, actually thinking about leaving United Parish, which is the, that we bought this building from United Parish because Dave uh, Bombas, pastor here in town of the United Parish, takes a very uh, bold and clear stand on these things as well. So he was thinking about leaving there, and he was thinking about maybe coming to our church. He said, what, what do you think about uh, homosexuality? And I said, well, again, don't really matter what I think, but I, I'll tell you what the Bible says. That's what I think. But I said, uh, but, as a matter of fact, the question may have been, well, how would you feel about a homosexual coming to your church? I think that was the question. All right? Now, have you ever seen me interact with a homosexual when they've come to this church? How, how, how have I received homosexuals when they come to this church? In love. In love to the point to where I'm talking about, uh, especially some of them, because I, I do know them and love them very well, and I feel like they're family. I, I hug them, glad they're here. I'm happy and thrilled when they come into the door. Why? Because I love them. Why do I love them? God loves them. Right? God the Father, God the Son, Jesus loved them enough to die on the cross for them. Man, you... So I, I can't love them any... I mean, I can love them a lot less than that because I'm not God and I don't have the, the, cap, the, 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 the capacity for that kind of love. I've got family members that are homosexual. 
You ask them how I treat them with love and, and, and respect as a, as a human being, as a person. I care about them, and they know that. Well, I thought you just said that homosexuality is a sin and God's against it. He is. Yeah, but the fact is, it doesn't change the way we love them. Now, does that mean that uh, uh, somebody in that lifestyle could be a member and all that stuff? No. I mean, I'm not going to, uh, we're not embracing the sin, but we love the person who's guilty of the sin, just like any other sin in that regard. Um, so I want to be very clear on that. Uh, because just because we're against something doesn't mean that we're against people. We love people, we're for people, and we speak the truth in love. But anyway, so he, that's what I told him. I said, man, I said, well, I'll tell you. I said, I stand where God stands on it. But, and then he started asking some more questions. And he's like, well, how can you be against it if they were born that way? Now, I don't know what you do with the born that way argument. But I don't spend a lot of time arguing the born that way argument. I don't believe it. I'll say that. You may disagree with me. I don't believe. And there's, of course, there, there's science that uh, I believe supports that. But you know what I said? But I don't waste time. I do not waste a moment of time on arguing whether or not I believe people are born that way or not. Well, if they're born, if they're born that way, how can God be against it? And how can you, therefore, then be against it? I'm not going to waste time debating that because you know what I say? I was born a fornicator and a liar and an adulterer and an idolater. Um, that's the way I was born. We were all born into sin. Just because I'm born and I have a tendency, and we all are born with a sinful nature, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden God just says, oh wow, they were born with sin, so I guess I'm just going to have to embrace that sin now. We're all born sinners. Uh, and so therefore, I don't waste time on that. I just simply say, I was born a sinner just like they were born a sinner, just like you were born a sinner. And we must come to Christ, we must turn from our sin, turn to Christ, and be forgiven for our sin. And... Let me tell you something. What did Jesus say to the woman that was caught in adultery? Go and sin no more. He showed her love. He showed her grace. He showed her compassion. But His message of, to her was a message of repentance. Go and sin no more. Because a postmodern view, as well as a modernistic view, for some reason, they think sin is liberty. That is not a scriptural view of sin, no matter what the sin is. So they think it's almost cruel. You know, it's almost just like, uh, you know, I think about uh, Steve mentioned he's an electrician. We have others in the church. Uh, if you get close to an electrical panel, there's warnings around that electrical panel. You, you see these jerks, man? These, there's jerks that actually put big fences, barbed wire and everything around these huge uh, electrical stations and stuff. Bunch of fair, legalistic Pharisees. Why? What if I want to go in there? Why? Who are they to say I can't go in there and grab a hold of that electricity? You know? See, that's the, that's the real view of sin. Okay? Uh, God is not being cruel. And, and by the way, let's go back to the postmodern thing. The postmodernism, modernism, New Age movement, every bit of it was born in the Garden of Eden when Satan entered. He said, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So the people that teach that the word of God isn't clear, so everybody can have their own truth with it. And then what Satan, the other thing that Satan said is, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. 
And remember what he said? He said, God, the reason God told you not to take of it, because he knew that when you took of it, you would be as God's knowing good and evil. In other words, God's trying to keep something from you. You ever feel like that, honestly, as a, as a human being, as a person? I have. Why would God keep me from this? Why would God not allow, want me to do this? God just don't want me to have any fun. Just like the people who put the fence in the barbed wire, just like the people who put the signs up at a, at a water that's full of, to, at a lake that's full of toxic, uh, poisonous water says, uh, keep away, contaminated, just like they're trying to be jerks from keeping you out of the water, out of the electrical panel. There's no difference. Well, I'm sorry, there's a big difference. Because sin is much worse. And it's eternal. Sin is much, much worse. So, uh, never let, and by the way, parents, that's one reason why when it comes to te- disciplining our kids, when it comes to teaching our kids uh, to try to live for the Lord and try to live the right way, that's why we're not apologetic. Because we are not being, you, sometimes we just got to look at our kids and say, I know you feel like I'm being your enemy right now, but I'm being your friend. And I'm trying to make sure, and I'm trying to do what I can to keep you uh, from you know, uh, making these mistakes. You know, it's just like the little dog I told you about before. You ever had one of these little dogs? I mean, it wants outside. I mean, uh, just like the lady, she lived on a busy uh, busy highway and just right on the highway, that little dog was always wanting out the door, wanting out the door, just would stand and, and bark and try to do everything they could to get through that clear uh, storm door. Finally, one day, the dog gets out and finally he's able to get back there, uh, out, gets what it wants. Gets out on that highway, gets hit by a car and killed. I mean, that owner is not trying to be a jerk. That owner cares about uh, the mutt. And I'm not trying to call your kids a dog or a mutt. But I am trying to say that as human beings, I'm just simply trying to say that whether it's homosexuality or whatever sin it is, people that think that sin is liberty, that's not a biblical concept, okay? Sin is bondage. And God wants to free people from their sin. Therefore, it would, I, I've likened it under this before. Uh, and you've heard it before, but so, so just bear with me. Uh, I liken it unto this. People today want preachers. They want Christianity. They want churches that are accepting and embracing of sin. Not sinners, but of sin. And that is the equivalent of having a doctor that thought it was great for you to have cancer in your body except embracing sins a lot worse. How bad do you think it would be to have a doctor that thought it was okay, that didn't want to do anything invasive, didn't want to give you any medicine that's going to make you sick, and just allowed cancer? They were an advocate for cancer. They were a loving doctor. They didn't fuss about cancer. They didn't try to give people, you know, uh, uh, these painful operations and this medicine that would make you sick. Well, that wouldn't be very caring. What kind of doctor? That doctor would be, uh, be uh, they would have their medical license revoked, would they not? They would be shamed. But I'm telling you, that's the kind of preachers they want. And, I, and, and if you think cancer's bad, I'm just here to tell you, sin's far worse. Sin's far worse. So, therefore, we are not doing our kids, we're not doing people in general favors. We, we, we think we're being loving, we're not. We're being loving if we're willing to love people and tell them the truth embrace people but don't embrace that which is destroying them fornication is not healthy oh but you know it's good for her it's good for him you know that's it's just what kids do um you know or it's just what adults do or whatever listen 
really? Do some psychological studies. See what it's doing to these people. See what it's doing to kids. See what it's doing to adults. Uh, whatever it may be. All right? So, uh, I'm just simply trying to say, uh, as I left my notes there, so, you know, it takes me a little bit sometimes to get back, but I'm trying to tell you today, we have the Word of God. And we're going to, by God's grace, we're going to stand on the Word of God, preach the Word of God, and we're going to do so in love. But the thing that we've got to be careful of, and you've got to be, I just want you to be mindful that it is a growing and a popular thing. It doesn't call out necessarily and call itself postmodernism. It doesn't come out and say, hey, everybody come over here with us. We question the Word of God. And we don't believe the Word of God's clear. But I'm just telling you, there's a lot that's going on in, 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 in the name of Christianity today that falls under people that do not believe that the Bible is the Word of God and it says what it says and it means what it means. So people who, uh, again, take a liberal view of the Bible will call the Bible perhaps, uh, you know, uh, that there's maybe revelation in here, but who is able to find it? Because you think about that. When you have it to where people that try to say, oh yeah, we, we believe the Bible contains the Word of God. Well, that sounds pretty good. But who decides what's the Word of God and what's not in there? Well, that's where people think the good news comes in. You do. You do. Or maybe, or perhaps your preacher does, or your minister does. But folks, we believe the Bible is the Word of God. I understand that the Bible can be challenging to read for many. But I'm telling you, God speaks clearly where He speaks clearly. And we want to stand clearly where God stands clearly. And can I say something else? Where we live in a time to where Wednesday we talked about this, uh, but we were talking about principles in the Word of God. There's, there's things the Bible doesn't tell us, isn't there? Quite honestly. Um, you know, the, the, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not smoke, does it? That's maybe not the best example in the world. It doesn't say thou shalt not use tobacco. Um, well, yeah, but pastor, the Bible does say the body's the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. How's your diet? How's your diet? Hey, what are you eating then? You see what I'm saying? What, what I'm just simply trying to say is there's principles. Now, the, the re, there's reasons. The, the main reasons, I want to tell you right now, the reasons I don't use uh, tobacco, uh, smoking wouldn't be an, uh, much of an issue. Chewing was tough for me to kick, man. How gross is it that I could be talking to somebody with Copenhagen in their mouth and I'm just like... pretty messed up ain't it uh chew was something harder for me now why do i not chew or smoke <laughs> i won't get a kiss that's a pretty good reason uh that's a really good reason actually but um but no i i, I may I, I may try to cite i, I don't cite the body being the temple of the holy ghost i'll tell you where mine probably goes back to high school when i got saved and I hooked up with some buddies of mine, uh, little Ronnie and Pillsbury, a couple of black friends of mine that were that were Christians, and uh, and man, and, and they found out I was saved, and, and they were excited, and uh, so we started fellowshipping some. This was like one week, the the week I got saved. The next week, I'm still down in the parking lot where I used to stand on the far end of the parking lot at the school and smoking down there with the smokers, and it'd be just like probably 40, 50 kids down there, not all smoke, but just hanging out, listening to music, smoking, and all that. The next day I come to school, and I can remember still Pillsbury. 
uh, Stephen Hatley was his name, but Pillsbury is what we called him. Pillsbury said, man, Jesse, I thought you were saved. I thought you were a Christian. I'm like, what are you talking about, Pillsbury? I am a Christian. I am saved. He's like, yeah, but I saw you down there where you used to be all the time. What would you do? Well, I got kind of offended and thought, well, are you doing judging me, you know? But you know what I started finding out? He's not the only one that thought that. And I started figuring out that it would hurt my testimony as a Christian, and it especially can hurt my testimony as a preacher. So uh, you say, well, I think it would enhance it among some people. Well, maybe it would. But I'm telling you right now, my biggest thing was, you know what? I've got a testimony to be concerned about, and that's the reason that I do not use uh, tobacco. And I think that's a good reason not to use tobacco. But I'm not, I, I can't, I, I, I might be able to mention, you know, the body being the temple of the Holy Ghost, but I'm telling you, I just think it's funny when we say that, you know, and we're eating 6,000, 8,000 calories a day of sugar and carbs, and then we're come, trying to come down on somebody else and preach the body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. I, you, I just feel like you come off a little hypocritical when you do that. I'm just simply saying, the Bible doesn't say everything, but there's principles that we can live by as Christians while we do, and do what we do and not do. And what we just got to try to be careful of, going back to the very first verse Nelly read, there's this thing going on in, our, in, in, in America today, I mean, at least among a bunch of my friends, that uh, they feel like when they see um, people that are not still following some of the traditions of you know, the church from, you know, whether it's the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, when they f see people that aren't following some of those traditions anymore, they think that they're compromising the Word of God. You know, we mentioned it, silly things like not wearing a tie or a jacket when you're preaching, uh, things of that nature. Uh, uh, you know, and, and some people think just having uh, this little box up here, it's like a little acoustical thing, whatever. I'm not a huge drum guy, but uh, what does the Bible say about drums? <laughs> But I'm telling you, I'm just simply trying to say, it's crazy how much stand, there's people that, you, you're not right with God because you got that little box in your church. There's people that think I'm going to compromise because of this box. There's people that think I'm going to compromise because we have lights that shine up here. And say I'm violating the principles of the Word of God, we're conforming to the world. It's nuts what people do. But so, I'm just simply trying to say, when we get to some of that stuff, that's a different uh, conversation. But, let me get back on task here. The Bible the Word of God. Um, and I want to just try to point out, and I'm probably, probably about done, ain't I? That sure am, sorry. I didn't really get started. That was just kind of, uh, we'll call it introduction. But I, I, guess, I guess I'll say this with just the last few minutes that I have. If the Bible is the Word of God, and it is, look over at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16. If you have your Bibles open to Hebrew still, it's just a few pages to the left. 2 Timothy 3.16, amen, all scripture. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture. Did you know that believes, uh, or that includes the Old Testament? That's one of the things about this modern emerging church. It's, it's, it's almost humorous to me. How ignorant, of this, how ignorant this can be. But one of the things is that this whole Old Testament thing is done. 
We don't need the Old Testament. The Old Testament's uh, obsolete, the Old Testament. And they'll talk about the God of the Old Testament as if they'll talk about the God of the Old Testament as some tribal, vengeful God. But then now we have the God of the New Testament. He's the same God, people. But the reason I say it's a pretty ignorant thing to try to discount the Old Testament is because it would be interesting if you were to actually, you want to do away with the Old Testament? Do away with the Old Testament that's found within the New Testament. The quotations of Christ and the apostles all the way through the New Testament. And you, you, you'd be interested to see how, how, how much smaller the New Testament would get if you were to take the Old Testament out of it. In other words, these are not two different things. They're two halves of a whole, if you will. Uh, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. If the Bible is the Word of God and it's given by inspiration, and, and, and I know someone can tell me what that word inspiration means. Breathed. So it's given by inspiration of God. It means God breathed. You cannot speak. If you hold your hand in front of your mouth and talk, you feel breathe. You feel breath. I'm breathing out. You breathe out words. And that's how intimate God says His Word is. It's His breath. The, all Scripture is the breath of Almighty God. It's His very words. So if the Bible is the Word of God, that means the Bible is absolutely perfect. It means we can absolute, have absolute confidence in the Word of God. Have you ever been called a liar? Have you ever been called a liar? Uh, have you ever been guilty of lying? Has ever been true? <laughs> All right, but, but have you ever been called a liar and you're not lying? You're being honest and someone's got... That, that's infuriating, isn't it? I mean, it calls your whole character into question. I don't trust a man that'll lie to me. That's one of the things I try to tell the kids, man, be honest. Because, man, if, so, if somebody will lie to you, I believe they'll cheat. I believe they'll steal. I mean, if somebody's... And I know that, I, I know that all men can lie. And, and parents, for goodness sakes, don't teach your kids about white lies. Uh, okay? Uh, a lie is a lie. Be honest. But I'm just simply trying to say, it's a pretty bad thing to call somebody a liar. So... May, may, may we be careful. May we make sure that we are never in the group that calls God a liar. Amen. God speaks truth. Amen. Ain't that right, Jaron? God is true. God does not lie. So if we have the word of God, we have the truth. Amen. Uh, I've got a whole lot more I'm, I want to teach and say about the word of God. And, um, but we'll, we'll stop it right there for the sake of time and